When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. Welcome to Dumb Money. It's officially day eight of my self-quarantine. How are you guys holding up? Man, I, I'm built for this, dude. I, I, I can I can stay in this quarantine for at least 120 days, no sweat, no sweat. Chris has essentially I, built a um, home trading station, TV studio. It's yeah, great. The, pro- the problem is I'm not there right now because my wife says I'm too loud when we're doing these shows, so I have to go upstairs. I'm back in my like master bedroom living area, you know, that whole room on the side of my bedroom. But <laughs> normally I set up my movie room, my theater room to be my trading station and my cave all day. And I'm like, he's like, dude, you've been in there for 12 hours. You have the sun has come up and gone down and you literally haven't left the room or have eaten anything. I'm like, I can't. What if something happens? I've got to be here. Like, I have to be here. Um, it's insane, dude. I, I love it. I, Jordan, listen, Jordan I, how, are you, how are you holding up? Have you have you been outside? Uh, yeah, I've actually. So I've got a brisket on right now. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so we're, well, yeah, but you haven't left the borders of your property line, have you? What's that? You have? Have you left the borders of your property line? I'm embarrassed to say this, but yes, I went yesterday. I went to uh, Albertsons to go stock up on black box. You went inside of a grocery store? Oh, yeah. I haven't wearing? done that yet. I've I've only been around the block. I've I've walked the dog, but that's about it. Dude, are you in, out of your mind? Were you wearing a mask and gloves? Me, man. There's no. There's barely anything here, County. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, you're out of your mind, dude. Well, today it's we are going to be uh, looking for the, the uh, baskets, and you can wipe down everything, and yeah. Mm. Well. Well, well, we'll see. So this is day day one for you. We're start we're hitting reset on on when we'll uh, be able to meet you in person. Uh, but today we're looking for the market bottom. In the past twenty two trading days, the stock market has dropped thirty percent from its record highs. That's the fastest drop of this magnitude in history. The second, third, and fourth quickest thirty percent drops all happened during the Great Depression. So let's do a little recap of where we each stood going into the weekend. My portfolio was pretty close to market net neutral. I had a large short position uh, on the SPY to offset the value of my long stock holdings. Now I only have select stocks and not a long position on the on any of the uh, market indexes. Uh, my long position is concentrated in Amazon, Apple, Teladoc, Google, and Shopify. And I also do have a large short position in Yelp stock right now. Chris, I know that late Friday, you actually upped your short position in the SPY and were short in Yelp and TripAdvisor, Dave & Buster's, Boeing. What are your thoughts this morning? 
Uh, yeah, so I I went kind of uh, you know deep short late in the day on Friday. Um, I got lucky on my timing. It was right before that big drop. Uh, I mm-hmm. wanted to be kind of net short through the weekend. I thought the risk reward of the negative news we're likely to get through the weekend would supersede the potential positives coming out of D.C. in terms of a you know a, a, a deal in the Senate, which didn't even materialize. Um, now, the Fed tried to kind of uh, override that with this blanket statement this morning that they were going to do whatever it took. They were going to do infinite, infinite QE. They were going to start buying corporate bonds, which is, wow, I was shocked to hear that. I thought that would move the market way higher. I was a little scared that I was going to get squeezed out of my short position on market open today. Uh, but, you know, here we are down seven, 800 points. Um, I bought, so as you know, I'm shorting the SPY, Dave and, and Jordan. I have... Uh, what is it, 20,000? How many shares? 2,000 shares. I'm right? shorting the SPY with 2,000 shares, but that's really just a hedge, a short hedge for the rest of my portfolio and really doesn't even cover my portfolio, of uh, my long portfolio. Um, I am also, I bought 150 puts, 235 strike price puts on the SPY that right before we started the show, I told you guys, I just exited those puts. It was a huge gain. I think it was like uh, close to $200,000 weekend gain. Um, I then repurchased uh, SPY puts, uh, but at the 220 strike price. Uh, so basically, you know, I spent about 100K on those puts, sold them for 300K. Now I spent another 100, 130K, getting another 150 SPY puts at the 220 uh, strike price. I'm holding strong on my Yelp. I have a tremendous amount of Yelp short position. Short position, I sold my Yelp puts last week. That was one of the biggest gains of the month with my Yelp puts. I'm now short Yelp considerably. I'm also short through put options, TripAdvisor. Remember that one. Um, I also went short Boeing. Okay, I went short Boeing because I think uh, the odds are that whatever package the, uh, the House and the Democrats allow the Republicans to approve, it's going to be penalizing for Boeing. I think Boeing is going to be the fall child that's going to really take the brunt of this pain in terms of penalization for getting $60 billion of government money. Um, besides that, I'm still short a small amount of Dave & Buster's. I've exited most of my Dave & Buster's short. I just kept a very small amount of that short. And then on the flip side, I have kept all of my long positions, of course, because they're hedged. Um, and I added some additional Amazon calls last week. So I have a pretty big position in Amazon that's levered now. What of month course, are you looking at for Amazon? So Amazon, I'm kind of playing it, as you know, I like to play it week by week. So my Amazon calls expire this Friday. What I've been doing is I've been trading, uh, I've been exiting those calls every week around Wednesday or Thursday and trading them up for the following week. And I did that last week as well. Uh, I have my Zoom. My big Zoom position is killing it. I got 3,000 shares of Zoom, which is a nice position. Um, we have I have Teladoc, which we're going to talk to. You want to talk about that, Dave, who we're bringing on the show today? Hopefully, can you make yeah, We're going to bring our good buddy Chase uh, onto the show. He is he's a remarkable person. He's brought us a lot of our deals. He's a company founder. We'll introduce him in, in a bit, but he is basically our go-to expert when it comes to these kind of uh, technology meets healthcare. 
Oh, he's the greatest. He was on Fox yesterday. What, what Fox and Friends yesterday? I think he's going to be on uh, the, uh, uh, one of the big cable networks again this week. And you know, he's cut you know cutting away some time for dumb money, though. I think this is probably his favorite show of the week. Uh, in between, Jordan, in between being on uh, the networks and doing running his own company, and he has an all hands meeting that he is running for his company, so he's going to be. He's going to be have to cut a little short uh, his time with us today, but we're really looking forward to that. Oh. That's probably coming up in about ten minutes. Oh, one more thing, because uh, you know most of my sh- my long positions. I had listed them all on the last show, guys. If you, you want to know our entire portfolio, just watch the last show or the one before that. We list the whole portfolio. Um, but uh, I bought some BIL with my cash. I had way too much cash in my Ameritrade account, and it was making me a little nervous. Right? <laughs> we're getting to one of these points where where anything's possible, right? Like if Ameritrade yep. makes a mistake, um, if they make some kind of computer error that is is like bill, tens of billions of dollars and just massively, massive mistake, we're all at risk as account holders, right? And, and, and that insurance, that SIPC insurance only kicks in um, when those mistakes are made, but it gets capped out pretty quickly. Now, Ameritrade has additional insurance beyond that, but if the mistake were really big, that insurance would cap out super quickly. So your money's at risk. So I prefer to have my money in government securities rather than just sitting in cash in the Ameritrade account. Um, And we've actually already seen, there was a a firm in Chicago last week that uh, basically went under uh, because of some kind of over-leveraged position that they were in. And yeah. their assets were auctioned. Now, even having stuff like it, you're still not totally protected. They can sell those off if the firm's in deep trouble. I, it gets it's really hard to get information on what happens in those scenarios because it's never happened before in that scale. Uh, but I, let's, but I put, let's check in with Jordan real quick, so, though. And what is what have you done in your portfolio? Uh, so I'm holding everything that I've currently got, um, which is your, what are your biggest holdings right now? Um, <clears throat> Probably uh, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. I like you have a little bit of Walmart. Um, uh, lots of lots of little you know dividend stocks. Um, but I'm also sitting on a fair amount of cash um, that I'm just waiting to put to work. So no hedge, think, no, no short hedge for you, right, Jordan? I've got a I've got a small Boeing um, short hedge, but it's really it's for fun. It's not going to make any. I think to summarize the three of us, Jordan is the most conservative and least risky with his money. I'm kind of in the middle and Chris is extreme trying to, uh, have you almost doubled your net worth in the past 30 days? So yeah, to kind of go over this, um, since the start, uh, since this February 20th, which is kind of the start of this, uh, I went short just before the crash. As you know, we were talking about it on Dumb Money a full month before the crash. We were talking about this. Um, so I went, I went short, and, and I, my account as of this second is up 2.4 million net in, since February 20th. So, so through speculative trades, um, I netted 2.4 million in trading gains on an account that's not really that big. It's not like I have a. 20 million in my account that I'm doing that with. So uh, what's interesting, though, is the hedge position, the trading has actually made me gross over $5 million since February 20th. And since I've kept all my long positions, um, obviously, the long positions have lost, you know, 
almost $3 million. And the short, in the, these short hedges and these speculative bets I put on the market have made $5 million. So net, I'm up like, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. So, so what, what's so fascinating about this is I'm so nicely positioned now once I feel we're getting closer to the bottom, and that's what today's show is all about, um, to really get a sense for when we feel we're approaching closer to bottom, what we're looking for. Yeah, uh, that that moment of- when we all go from either, you know, sh- completely short to kind of hedging and net neutral to getting back in long, because we're all three very long-term long investors, right? So we- yeah. We're just we're just kind of waiting for that moment to know when we need to pull the switch, when we, when we need to unplug our uh, hedge against the downside, and we're just fully you know putting all of our cash back into equities. Correct, and really, what we've been doing is what I've been doing. I think you guys have been as well. Is as we've been making money on the short side, we've been taking those profits, cashing those profits, and actually buying, getting longer on the long side. Now we're adjusting our short hedge. But my long positions are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm buying companies I've never bought before, like Restoration Hardware and even companies like you know Microsoft and, and uh, Qualcomm. Uh, these are companies I've wanted to own for a while, but they were just too high for me. Uh, so you know, when this thing bounces eventually, you know, the goal here, our goal of dumb money uh, since the start of this, these, these are generational opportunities in terms of trading that don't come around that often. I wanted to double my net worth. I want to double my portfolio uh, over the course uh, of this event, this market event that started on February 20th. I don't know when it's going to end. Let's say it ends in June or July or August or at some point this year. I would like to say that, that, that we've been successful trading this if we were able to time everything and get aggressive and double our account size because of this single point generational event. If we can do that, I would say that we did a really good job tra- trading it, right? And I want to remind everyone that when the market was down 2%, 2%, that nearly every single commentator on CNBC, nearly every single one said, buy the dip. Oh, what now a is the time to buy. That was the, the, the most insane advice ever. And by the way, the first 20%, that's all they said. It, not yeah. till the market was they down a good 20%. They kept saying it. Yeah. After it was down 20%, then they started to get a little negative, right? All of them. Every one of them. And I mean every single one of them. Every guest on their show, everyone on the show, their comments had the same, same insight. So, you know, at Dumb Money, we were proudly aware of the tail risk of this event. And we're going to talk about that after Chase comes on. I want to talk about tail risk. I want to talk about what we're looking for to catch a bottom in this market. Is Chase pretty and we're close? also going to be taking your comments, so make sure you do that. We are actually streaming on two different channels right now. Our original Dumb Money channel, which is primarily focused on startup companies and our meetings with startup founders and, and that sort of thing. And our brand new channel, Dumb Money Live, which... Guys, did you notice we just hit 1,000 subscribers on our new channel? Yes. <laughs> so if we could just get the other 40,000 to uh, come over and, and subscribe here. That would be fantastic. But um, be sure you uh, post. We're, we're responding to the live comments during the live show and the uh, actual under-the-video comments uh, for the archives. So we will be responding to, to comments. We did have one, uh, Chris. We uh, Flappy Hawk says, uh, is this a good or bad thing that the Fed is uh, willing to print an infinite amount of money? Well, let me just first say that it's not necessarily an unknown thing. They kind of already said that last week and the week before when they were doing, 
you know, yeah. half trillion dollar purchases. They those are basically up their willingness to do whatever it takes and continue to throw more money into the economy. Uh, listen, those are just overnight. Event. I mean, that's not that's not really printing money. You're not printing money until you hit the QE stuff, right? Yeah. So basically, what's going to happen is that the government's going to put this big package out there, but they're going to have to go to the Fed to get that money, and the Fed's just going to create the money, right? And so that's where you're actually adding to the money supply and you get, you've got a big risk by being in cash um, at that point because things will inflate, right? Yeah. So I don't want to say whether it's a good, good or bad thing. You can have that debate for, for days. Uh, short term, short term, it's certainly a good thing short term in terms of propping up uh, the liquidity in the debt markets, which are you know obviously closely associated with the equity markets. So it's something that kind of needed to happen. It has to happen. Um, you have to have that liquidity. You, you know, you got to take some of that tail risk uh, out of the equation. Um, do I think it's going to save this market? Uh, that's not what we're looking for right now, right? That's not the thing that's going to signify a bottom for us. Um, and certainly, the rest of the market agreed with us. If you see, how, you saw how it traded today. There are other things that we are looking at. Um, but getting back to Dave talking about the YouTube channel, I want to just make sure that everyone knows we don't do this for money, guys. I'll tell you what we do for money. We invest. We trade. We're doing exactly what we're talking about. We're, yeah. we're putting our money where our show is. Yeah, the uh, the twenty five dollars a month we make from YouTube advertising <laughs> does not even cover <laughs> does not even cover a tenth of our expenses. No, we trade that. We invest. We invest for money. We're doing this for the love of it. We're doing this for education and entertainment for you guys. Don't mimic our trades. We're not financial advisors. Don't do what we do. We don't understand what your risk is. Your risk is probably way different than our risk. So do not trade based on what we say. We're just sharing what we we're do just for education. You ways of thinking. We're telling you exactly what we're doing to help you think about your portfolio and your situation and what might make sense for you. Yeah, we're giving you strategies and how to think about these things. Uh, not Don't just mimic what we do in terms of trading. Uh, so one thing, one thing we uh, we have another question. What do you think about Amazon? We're both very. Well, I think all three of us are very long in Amazon. We think that that is going to be a company that not only does well during this situation but continues to do well in the future. But do you think short term uh, closing warehouses would have a, a negative impact on their stock? Uh, I think short term, it, it absolutely would have a negative impact, but it would have a very short term impact on their stock. I think that would be an absolutely a buying opportunity. That's when I go even deeper into Amazon if they have to close down warehouses. Uh, it would be temporary uh, like anything else. And Amazon, Dave, I mean, would you agree, Jordan, it's really hard to pick a winner that's bigger than Amazon here. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really difficult to do. No, absolutely. And uh, for me, I, I am very long Amazon and I was thinking of a strategy to go more long Amazon in the event that something like uh, a warehouse caused a warehouse closure caused their stock to go down. Selling puts is something that I'm looking into doing. And that's basically a it's a bullish. It's a it's a you know, it's, it's the opportunity to buy stock at a predetermined price if the market causes that stock to go below. So say Amazon goes below 1700. If I sold those 1700 puts, I'd be obligated to buy it at 1700 if it's below that amount, which I'm good with because I think Amazon is one of those that will rocket back up. But um, in the meantime, just for the just for taking that risk of having to buy it at 1700, you can make a lot of money by selling those contracts. So that's that's just one thing that I'm looking into doing. And I know that 
Chris kind of disagrees with my strategy there. Yeah, I mean, it's a fine strategy. Um, I think it, it, listen, every every strategy um, comes with pros and cons, right? So uh, Dave's strategy has comes with more more of a guaranteed payday, right? It's like a guaranteed money up front. Uh, and then the worst case, you're stuck with a stock you love at a predetermined price. But the only thing that that strategy gives up in terms of a con is is the upside uh, because you, you don't really if – the, if the stock ends up – does not go down, it just moves up. Uh, then you don't you get that completely upside. Completely lost out on all of those upside. But yeah. for me, I already have a ton of Amazon, and if it goes up, I'm in good shape. And if it goes down, I would like to buy more and to be paid in advance for the uh, obligation to have to buy it. And and for some reason, if I thought the outlook changed for Amazon as it's going down, I could uh, I could short the stock to essentially cover that position. So for me, that's that's something that I think I'm I'm going to be doing, especially if there's any kind of hesitation with the Amazon stock, which there doesn't seem to be right now. Yeah. And by the way, guys, there's no good or bad. There's no better strategy. Just different strategies have different risk reward and different pros and cons to them. Uh, it just depends on what you think is going to happen and, and, and what you want to put at risk. And, you know, for me, I'm more interested in, I, I don't want to lose on that, on the top side, right? I, I want to maximize my gains uh, so I have just straight up Amazon calls in addition to my core Amazon equity position. Um, are we still waiting on Chase? Is he joining us? He, he's uh, he's going to be joining probably in about five minutes. Okay. So in the meantime, we'll continue to answer some uh, some questions here. Okay. Okay. And then, guys, I think the concept is after Chase is on, we're going to dig in to how what we're looking for to see a market bottom because there's some very specific things that we're looking for to kind of gauge when the flush out happens, we see capitulation and we're more comfortable we're at a market bottom. And, and we'll talk about what those things are later on in the show. So so stick with us. Yeah. Um, um, Danny wants to know if there are any trade plays if the Olympics are canceled or postponed. It's, it's something that I actually haven't given thought to, but I was wondering if either of you have. Well, I have. And I think for me, it's more of a foregone conclusion that the Olympics will be postponed. So there's... I mean, Jordan, what do you think? Could you see any scenario where they're not postponed at this point? I mean, there's so many Olympic teams that are asking for Japan to to delay the Olympics by either, you know, months or a year. So, I mean, I, I it's got to be priced in to, you know, yeah. whoever would benefit by now. Yeah, I, I didn't spend much time thinking of who the winners and losers are because I'm assuming it's fully priced in at this point. I mean, who's thinking that the Olympics is going to happen this summer? I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, by the way, someone says, uh, yeah, I was looking at that, Dave. You have this one? Okay. Uh, instead of hedging through shorts, why not just sell off and move more to cash? Isn't it better not to be exposed to assets rather than being exposed plus having to buy insurance? Well, there's a few different reasons why we're not doing that. Um, the first mm -hmm. reason is uh, tax, you know, kind of tax exposure. So a lot of our long positions are we've held them for over 12 months or six months or longer. And they're, you know, at some point they're going to be in that long-term capital gains situation where we're paying a lower tax rate. And if we keep trading in and out of those long positions, we start to restart the clock, restart that 12 month clock, which is never a good thing. So rather than switching in and out of those long positions, we can hedge them uh, with a market short, like going short the SPY or buying puts on the SPY. And that enables us to kind of keep those long positions, right? 
um, and not mess with the, the tax timeline on them. But there's a whole bunch of other reasons. You guys want to talk about some and I'll cover any that you missed. Yeah, well, for, for me, it's, um, it, you know, timing the market is very difficult. And I have been in these these uh, long positions, like like you say, for a long time and, and um, am hoping that all of them will be long-term capital gains eventually. Um, but knowing when to jump back into Microsoft or Amazon or Apple, I mean, today might be the right day for Amazon, you know, and that... So my, my portfolio, I think, is is weighted more more heavily in the stocks that I think will survive and do do above average in this current down market. Um, and then my hedge is I, I'm at, you know like you, Chris. I'm also um, net gaining on my hedge position. So that it will be a short term capital gain that I have to pay the highest rate of taxes on but it's working out better for me than it would if I were just sitting in cash. So I'm making money as the market's going down and I'm hoping to be, you know, in the right stocks as it starts to go up. And even during this time when most stocks are going down, I think that the few, the few kind of shining stars here with Amazon and, and Teladoc, which we're going to be talking about in a minute. Um, th these are companies that I think will continue to do well. And Zoom is one that I didn't get in. I'm, you know, it's up what twenty percent today again. Um, are you both in Zoom? Yeah, I am. But let me just say one more thing, real quick. On the, there's market mechanic, there's trading mechanics. It's a really important piece of it, guys. So there's not a lot of liquidity in the market right now. So actually, the function of trading in and out of sixteen different stocks is next to impossible. If the market takes a quick bounce and a turn for the upside, having to repurchase those stocks or or double my allocation those stocks would be horrifically difficult mechanically, especially with the bid and the ask spreads. So mechanically, to purchase the most liquid equity in the stock market, which is the SPY, and to either short that or go long that or hold options in that is a single mechanical trade. So it enables us to be able to balance our long versus short position in real time throughout the trading day with a single trade and a trade that's on the most liquid asset that has really nice liquidity and really small spreads between the bid and the ask. So just mechanically, there's no way that we can trade in and out of 15 stocks all day long, right, based on how our market mood and, and, and what our sentiment is and the information that's flowing in and out of the market. So that's why we love doing this with a single point SPY. Now, we're still doing some, some random put trade various stocks that we want to play um but that's kind of our core reason for for doing a you know going short or or buying a put on the spy versus just trading out of our allocation of stocks that may and then also we, we we want to speculate too so we're actually in some cases we want to be more short than our portfolio so most of the last month i have been 120 percent short Right. So I've covered my long positions with my short hedge. And then beyond that, I kind of increased the short to go even beyond my long position. So when the market was dropping, I wasn't just not losing money. I was actually making money as the market was dropping. So long answer. But that, that's that's why we did it. Yep, I agree with that. I did see that Chase popped on and then dropped off while we were explaining that detailed answer. So uh, hopefully he'll be back on oh, with us oh, in oh, a second. Oh, oh, I'm going to call him and tell him to get back on right now. Oh, give me, <laughs> give me, let me call, let me call Chase oh, here. He is back. Okay. 
There he is. We're, we're now on. So Chase, a good friend, colleague of ours, uh, company founder. He's a, a venture capital genius. He specializes basically in the merger of technology and healthcare. And uh, he's actually a, an MD, not a practicing doctor, but he went to medical school purely to be able to better analyze the medical side of these tech meet healthcare companies, companies like Teladoc. So Chase, welcome. You're you're on for the first time on the live show. You've been, you've been on the uh, pre-recorded shows several times. And, and and Chase is one of those guys that we've been texting, like I've been texting like nonstop through the day, through the night for the past couple of weeks and just getting his opinion. He's getting our opinion on the market. So it's awesome to have you on the show. RX Define is his company. We won't talk about it too much today, but it's one of the coolest, coolest startups out there in kind of the pharma space, uh, Teladoc pharma space. So Chase, we own Teladoc and Teladoc is kind of the only way for most investors to trade or to invest in telemedicine because companies like yours and all the ones that I know that you know of are usually private. So like Teladoc is it for a lot of investors. So can you tell us kind of what you think about the sector in general? And what I really want you to tell us today is when this whole thing is over, if it, if it ends this summer or later on this year, is telemedicine going to fade away or is this like, like a whole revolution that's still going to continue to grow even after this whole kind of virus catastrophe is over with? Yeah, so good question, Chris. I'm, I'm going to start off with some of the behavioral trends that are taking place right now. I mean, first and foremost, this is something that us as a society, we've actually never been through an event this significant uh, in our lifetimes. And as a result of this event, there's going to be a number of new habits that will be formed. And those new habits that will be formed, patients have never really had that opportunity to get used to telemedicine. They've never had that opportunity to fully adapt and to fully embrace telemedicine. And this is something that finally telemedicine is getting its opportunity in the spotlight. And I, I, again, I think that the behavioral changes that take place are going to result in not just temporary adoption of telemedicine, but this will be telemedicine will be here for, for forever. Uh, patients will see how much greater convenience they're able to achieve by speaking with a provider over an acute issue um, through this type of online channel. Research has shown that health outcomes are just as good for telemedicine enabled areas. So again, I think this is here to stay. Awesome. And, and do you know anything about Teladoc specifically? Are you familiar with that company? Yeah, very familiar with Teladoc. You know, I, I've been following them since they were uh, since they were a private company backed by Kleiner Perkins in the day. Um, you know, I you know I, they'd always been hovering somewhere around that five billion dollar market cap point. I've been waiting for them to to finally take a take a break uh, once they once they had taken that IPO. This is obviously a phenomenal opportunity for Teladoc. Um, there's not many companies. There's companies like American Well and others that are also available in addition to Teladoc. The thing to remember, though, and the thing to keep in mind for those investors is that telemedicine, I do believe, is is a it's it's it's, it's somewhat it's somewhat commoditized. It can get commoditized, meaning if you have new entrants that are also going to be entering the market, you know, what is the difference? Like, what benefit will I get by using the Teladoc platform versus uh, versus an alternative uh, technology platform that may provide me with just as good of provider coverage? So the thing to remember and the thing to keep in the back of the mind is what is their moat? And I still don't truly understand what their moat is outside of the fact that they have a massive provider network. I'm curious, Chris, Dave, Jordan, what, what's their moat? You know, for me, I never even did that much research on Teladoc. I'll be totally honest. For me, it's a momentum trade. Mm -hmm. uh, 
if for me to hold the trade long term, I got to do my 40, 60 hours of due diligence. I haven't done that on Teladoc. I did it because it was like right time, right place. This thing's going to fly right now. I'll, I'll figure it out later if I want to stay in it long term. So it's interesting yeah. that you say that. And, and I think before I held a Teladoc well beyond this whole drama that we're in, I would I would want to answer those questions. Jordan, do you, have you done any research at all on them? No, no sound, sound. Yeah, I don't hold Teladoc right now, so I'm not researching at all. Okay. The only telehealth, uh, yeah, I don't think I've got anything in the telehealth. No, I, I just know that these companies like Teladoc, I almost feel like there's a little bit of a of a Tesla kind of like Zoom and Teladoc, a little bit of Tesla cult mm -hmm. following, and you got the president speaking about them, you got the administration talking about how like this is the future and. And there's only one company you can invest in in the yep. public markets. Yep. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care if they're managed terribly, if they have a moat or no moat. When there's only one way for the public markets to trade a trend that is as big as telemedicine, I think they're just going to irrationally, irrationally invest and prop up that company. So for now, I see myself staying in Teladoc at least through the brunt of this catastrophe. And then I'll have to do my research later on to figure out are they really worth 5X what they were worth a month ago, right? Uh, yeah. Once this whole thing is over. Dave, what do you yeah, think? The other thing I, to keep I, in I mind say, too, this, sorry, as Dave. a momentum play, this this is something that, you know, it is a once in a lifetime opportunity for a company that would benefit from people wanting to stay home, but still needing to go to the doctor. How, you know, how often do you get this kind of like, incentive to try a new product and you know i i just see this being the one that you can invest in this it it was like the moment that the uh the white house um lawn announcement of uh telemedicine being you know embraced and i was the market was still open it was still open for like 30 minutes and chris and i, I think both bought at the same time during that spike and market halt of teledoc so we're we're, we're crazy speculative investors when it comes to that. So we're, we didn't have any research or any background, but the more I think about it, the the happier I am that I'm in it. And um, it is hey, like- Chase. I was gonna say, Chase, do you know anything about Schrodinger? Someone's asking that messy Asian dude is asking, that's his name. Uh, any thoughts on SDGR that Schrodinger, he says they recently IPO'd and while in private, they were one of the higher valued AI drug discovery companies. Ever heard of them? I've heard of them, but I don't have any thoughts on the company. Haven't had too much time to dig in, but uh, I'm happy to get back to them after we've uh, done a little bit more digging. The other point I just wanted to add, by the way, on the Teladoc piece, and, and sorry to shift back there, wow. I just want to mention this, is you're not just competing with other companies. Health systems are developing their entire telemedicine programs. For example, the Mount Sinai School of Medicine or Mount Sinai Hospital has, has an enormous um, you know, telehealth system. In fact, just so you guys know, they went from 25 consults a day two and a half weeks ago to now doing over a thousand consults a day. Uh, so a lot of health systems are adopting telemedicine as a way to reduce stress and burden from their own system. So if you are a patient within, you know, you, you do see your PCP within that network. Um, and, you know, that's an institution you often you oftentimes are seeking care with both inpatient as well as with outpatient associated facilities. That's another potential competitor, indirect competitor to a uh, to a teledoc. 
But Chris, I, I like the way that you and, and Dave are thinking about it in terms of this is a momentum trade. You know, this is definitely the same type of trade I, I would be making as well. But it's whether how, how, how long would I actually stay on the Teladoc boat um, in the future is, is, a, is, a, is a different question. Um, what other competitors are there? Are there other public companies? You, you mentioned American Well, I believe. Um, yeah. What else should we be looking at right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, first and foremost, anything to do with remote diagnostics, because I think another big area is how, how you know, one, one of the limitations you have as a physician when you are on a telemedicine platform is you can't conduct a physical exam. You don't have an opportunity to, um, uh, to actually conduct any type of other labs or any other type of diagnostic testing that may be required for a confirmatory diagnosis. A telemedicine can, can oftentimes be that first case interaction between patient and provider, uh, but further, further diagnostics may be, you know, may be required. So exa- an example, like you guys, we're all, uh, you guys are all an investor in, in a company called Scanwell, for example. Scanwell is a company that allows for um, at-home uh, UTI diagnostics. So I think a lot of the diagnostic companies, companies like Roche, uh, companies like Gilead, uh, you know, even in the, Gilead more on the pharma side, Roche more on the diagnostic side. These are all very, very interesting plays, especially at a time like at a time like now. Um, but I'm I'm closely following the diagnostic companies. Um, you know, Quest Diagnostics. Uh, you know, they're they're uh, they're looking at and thinking about different mechanisms around how to go direct to consumer. Um, and so there could be some very unique partnerships forming between some of the large telehealth companies and some of the large diagnostic companies. And that's just something else to keep in the back of your mind, because as telehealth skyrockets, um, if, if it's here to stay like we all believe it is, then it's really going to require the more proprietary diagnostic tests um, to be done at patient home as well. That's an awesome takeaway. Like I've been thinking about that Quest Diagnostics, they're public. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look into Quest because like mm-hmm. diagnostics could be the play here that people aren't really appreciating as like because everyone's thinking Teladoc, Teladoc. But Quest could benefit as much as Teladoc and has not increased to the degree that Teladoc has, right? So um, Quest Diagnostics could be an interesting trade. I'm going to have to look into that more. Before we let you go, we know you have a huge day. You're a founder of one of these companies right now. Um, But real quick, I know you're talking to a lot of surgeons. You're talking to a lot of – you know heads of hospitals. Um, You got your medical degree from – where do you get from again, Chase? Mount, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, which is just one of the absolute best schools in the, in the country. So, like, what are you hearing on this whole situation? Have you been talking to doctors, hospitals, or, or how bad is it? Like, just give us your viewpoint before we let you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, first and foremost, no one thought the situation was going to be as bad um, uh, as it currently is. Uh, I think one of the issues is no one really knows where the bottom is. Uh, you know, again, I've got colleagues that are texting me uh, constantly from a number of specialties who are absolutely terrified. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're crying out, they're crying out, but they don't have the, the necessary PPE requirements. So they're re, you know, they're, they're, they're feeling like they may need to reuse uh, PPE requirements from an infected patient's non-infected patient. I've heard stories about how ventilators are being shared across uh, numerous patients. There's a massive shortage of resources. Uh, it's resulting in um, exacerbated amounts of fear uh, and irrationality. Now, the thing is this, and the thing to re- the, the thing to keep in back of, the back of mind is the following. You know, do I think that this is the end of the world? By no means. No. 
This is a great, great calling, though, for us as a society to band together and to realize that we're very, I mean, listen, we, we, if you look at the, if we look at the actual uh, mortality rate, then, as it's been reported to us by WHO, other countries, other countries like South Korea, it, it doesn't seem to be that high of a mortality rate. We actually don't know what the true mortality rate because we don't know the full denominator of, of, of patients that are actually, uh, that, that actually have been uh, true positives and have had this disease versus, uh, versus, um, you know, versus true negatives. Um, but, uh, you know, so do I think it's, do I think it's going it, to, that this is going to be the worst thing to ever hit us as a society? No, but this is going to prepare us adequately for uh, a worse pandemic that can come along a little bit later with a significantly higher mortality rate. This is a very good test for our health infrastructure to demonstrate to a um, larger part of the society around where gaps are around our health infrastructure, where we should be filling in those gaps. Um, and, but overall, you know, yes, I've been in contact with leadership at a number of health institutions, hospitals, physician colleagues, and people are definitely scared because, you know, again, this is resulting in fear that's resulting in shortage of the equipment that they need day to day to do their jobs. I think that's where it really comes in is the fact that they don't have the, 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 the materials they typically are used to having day to day inside of a hospital to protect themselves. That's where the fear is. I don't think the fear is stemming directly from coronavirus. All right. To Chase. George, do you have anything for Chase before we let him go? No. Thanks, right. guys. Dude, so Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, and, we, and just, we need to catch up soon. No, we will. We will. I'll call you guys later. Absolutely, <laughs> awesome. buddy. Thank you, dude. Hey, hey and by the way, are you back on uh, Fox? I know you were on uh, Fox and Friends this weekend. Are you on something this week as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, Wednesday or Thursday. Okay, awesome. Let, let us know. know. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Right, thanks. All right, bye. Whew. All right. So that, that's that great. Awesome. So now, now we get to the, the meat of the story here, what we've always wanted to uh, talk about. When is this? And Chase brought it up. Nobody knows when the bottom of this market is going to be. We don't know. Nobody knows. But we do have things that we're looking for, right? I know, Dave. I know exactly when well, it's going to be. Well, thank you. Would you just please tell us what day to uh, get back into the market? What? I'll put it on my calendar. Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you this much. I, you know, we collectively, the three of us, we did kind of, you know, I traded it more aggressively than you guys, but the three of us kind of collectively did call it luck or whatever we perfectly timed the start of this right and if we happen to perfectly time the rebound i'm just going to hang my trading time to the start of it i was a week <laughs> slow and a half million dollars short but well that's because you had a fancy trip to mexico for three weeks. i've done i've done pretty good at catching back up i'm almost back to break even and you've really profited so so congratulations that's right if we if we pick this afford to buy a better camera and computer now because <laughs> your stream is always the the lowest quality among us i will i will if we um if we pick the bottom i'm gonna hang up my trading hat and oh stop my cat's on my computer my cat is climbing up the cat <laughs> screen and my camera's cat on <laughs> he uses a uh, cat tower for his tripod so that that is to be expected. Oh, photo of that while while we're uh, chatting here. Oh my god, that was, that was unexpected. All right, so um, okay, so pick picking the bottom. Here we go. Uh, let me just say that I think there's a lot of technical traders out there that are trying to time the bottom with technicals, um, and certainly in the short term they can kind of pick 
intraday technicals that, that do matter. I don't think you can time this bottom with technicals because we're in the middle of a black swan event. So I don't think technicals work as well in a black swan event, obviously. <laughs> uh, so uh, I no, think, and, and you know, this we, is we've a black been swan event, and so kind of all bets are off, but there are things that we're looking for specifically to kind of start to signal that. And, you know, generally speaking, if we, as soon as I see on Twitter more people saying, I just sold everything, that, that might mean that we're getting close, you know? That, that's, actually a really, that's actually a really good signal. It's a really good signal and one that we're absolutely looking at. I think, you know, we've been reading a lot of sell-side reports. I shared one from a top three, top four investment bank uh, this weekend with you all. I don't know if you read it or not. Uh, but I, I think one of the things that, that we're looking at that's causing this downdrift in the market is tail risk. So tail risk is something that we talked about quite a bit uh, back in mid-February. And if we had a clip, at some point we have to pull that clip and re-air it. I was yelling, nobody's factoring in the tail risk. The market was down 2%. I was like, this is insane. you got to factor in the tail risk. Well, it took the market longer to factor in the tail risk. There's my cat again. No, we can't do that. But, but the tail risk, as long as it's out there, meaning the risk of a of a, of a of a insanely terrible right situation like a depression, even right a, a situation like unemployment goes down, unemployment goes up by thirty percent or forty percent, something crazy like that. That's tail risk that we can't even really measure um, until we can figure out what the tail risk get the tail risk off the table, the market won't bottom. So let's talk about what the tail risks are, and then we can start to, to scenario model out some situations that would signal that the tail risks are no longer there. So in my mind, one of the biggest tail risks is unemployment. We need to understand what the unemployment is going to be in this country as a result of this. Is it going to be 5%, 10%, 15, 20, 25, 30? Until we can kind of wrap our head around what a worst case scenario is, the market's not going to bottom, okay, in my opinion. Um, And until we have some clarity around, you know, small business being shut down indefinitely and having no revenue, but their fixed costs are still going on and laying off employees and, you know, some... Clarity on anything, good or bad, is what we need, you know, to to, to know what's going on. You know, as soon as as we hear any news on the stimulus, um, that's that's something that we're looking for. But but Dave, what you really need is you need to be able to remove the worst case scenario. So it's not that we don't need like perfect visibility on how long it's going to take for small business to come back. What we need to understand is the worst case scenario, what is it? And we have to get that off the table or at least understand it, right? Right now, we don't even know what the worst case scenario is. That's the tail risk that the market can't really price in yet. Um, Another thing is the health crisis, just the health crisis in general. We still don't know how bad this whole thing could get and more importantly, how long it can last, okay? So if we can wrap our head around the fact that this thing is going to end worst case in July, that, it sounds, it's terrible. Don't get me wrong, it's terrible. But at least we would know, hey, based on everything we're seeing, 98% chance this is done in July. 
right? Yeah. We can't even say if, that. Even if, like, worst case scenario, we know we knew that it was going to be July 2021. Yeah, that would be better than not yeah. knowing and just going day by day, saying, "Well, let's give it 14 more days and see what happens." So, so guys, I mean, those are the two things in my head. You have you have the economic tail risk. And you have the kind of health crisis tail risk, which is spurring fear, which is obviously connected to the economic tail risk. But we have to figure out the worst case scenario. So why don't we talk about what are the things that could happen that would remove those tail risks? I know what they are. You guys have any ideas? Like, like what do you think? I I think we each have our own lists. Um, I think that one of the things that we're listening for intently is news on the lockdown. I would I would go long. I'd be bullish if the U.S. went into a true nationwide lockdown. But again, that depends on the length. If it's months, I might still be neutral. But if it's, you know, if it's if, if we know exactly, that at least lets the market price itself, that signals a bottom. If the nationwide uh, a lockdown mm-hmm. is, is months, I probably will be neutral. But, but we have to see about- how, it, how it's working, too. But talk about why. The reason why is because if someone came out and said, the government said, listen, we figured it out. We have to lock down for 30 days, military on the street, but we can pretty, we're going to guarantee you at the end of those 30 days, all of our data shows with other countries that have done this, that the virus will be eliminated from the U.S. And then we're going to start yeah. a slow process of getting back to life, starting with the youngest, healthiest people. We're going to open up restaurants. We're going we're gonna to have te- – oh, this is what we want to talk about. Jordan, I want you to address this because I know you've been looking into this, I think. Testing, right? So if we had visibility into testing, meaning that everybody, the whole country could get tested at home and it could turn around in two hours and we could do routine testing and know who's sick and who's not sick, that would enable – that one thing might enable us to potentially get back to life. Jordan, what do you think about that? I, I know you, you've been looking at some of the mm. – yeah, I think it's unrealistic to think that everybody's going to get a test, right? Because we've got 300-something million people in this country, and a lot of people don't have internet access still to this day, right? So um, so what I see is that there's a test that apparently can get done in 45 minutes. And so if we can have that widely available, um, anybody who has symptoms goes to this one place, they sit in a room, they take the test, and then within an hour, you know exactly what to do with that person um, that's going to create a lot of a confidence and allow you to um, let well people congregate again and let sick people immediately, um, you know, uh, be identified. Uh, and that and that quick result test, that forty five minute test, is widely available in South Korea. Right. As soon as we have news that the U.S. has the quick test, and that's that's a huge signal that the market can then adjust itself. And then we kind of know where we're going in the future. But yeah, you, so so the test is a big thing. part of it. You identify them. You go after every single person they've run into contact with. You give them the 45-minute test. And then you don't have this huge mushrooming of the problem. You can go and attack um, just by contact tracing and doing really quick tests, um, which we're just not able to do right now. So that's one thing that we're looking at, right? Is like the testing has to be there and it's not there yet. Um, the other thing we're looking for is just so some sort of visibility into what the future is going to look like. It could be a combination of the test. I think even more important than the test, we, if we can get some evidence that some of these therapeutic treatments 
are actually working, right? Like I know there's a few of them being tested right now. There's remdesivir. That's going to come out pretty soon. Uh, there's this one that Trump keeps talking about, which is the one they've been using in China and Italy in combination with antibiotics. Um, that one potentially maybe might work. Uh, I think we'll know more on that in the next one to two weeks. When we start getting some positive, I call it the light at the end of the windy tunnel, right? We have this windy tunnel. <laughs> and, and like, like, as soon as we can get a straightaway near the exit of that tunnel and we can actually see the light, that is a good sign. I think that if we see signs that that curve is actually flattening here, that's what, what I'm looking for. If it doesn't flatten or we don't see any progress, hunker down, like stay indoors and uh, keep your short position on to hedge your portfolio. That's that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So um, the other, so we have a treatment, right? Treatment, that's what we're looking for now. What we're also looking for is some sort of uniform government leadership. Right now it's too sporadic. It's changing too often. It creates confusion and panic and a lack of faith. Uh, and confidence in our government's ability to really set forward a plan. You know, I would like to hope that over time that will get better. And if it does get better, listen, you remember when Trump and the administration actually had a good press, it was like that one good press conference that rallied the market because it was just, it was really, he was reading off a teleprompter. It was, it was professional. Like they had that one good one. And everything after that has been a mess. Like, Wait, the one he read back, off the teleprompter, he missed key words off of the script like uh, like this will affect uh, imports from foreign countries. He, he skipped the word not. It actually was not going to affect imports. So while that well, did have a, a positive effect and, and he actually was professional, eh, we might need to get the facts straight too. Okay. So. Uh, the other thing we need is just, just a salt. We need the stimulus plan, right? The stimulus plan yes. will probably get passed by the Senate. That's an easy thing, right? But the stimulus plan getting past Nancy Pelosi in the House, that's a whole different thing that I think for me, until the stimulus plan gets through both the Senate and the House and actually looks like it's actually going to get passed, I think there's massive tail risk in this market that I'm not willing to take off that spy put or any meaningfully degree of my spy short position. Would you guys agree there? I absolutely agree. I think the clarity on what is going to be agreed to and that both sides are willing to sign off on it. I mean, we just need to know good. Like, even if we know that it's not going to be enough, they'll have to do another one and another one. But let's just know what that first one's going to be so that we can then breathe. Small businesses, we need to know. Can can we keep our employees on staff? Do we uh, can we take out a loan to be able to continue to pay our people, or do we have to not pay them? Like right now, we can't pay them because we have no income. Yeah, me and Dave both have small businesses, a restaurant and a bar, and I have seventy employees at my restaurant, and we're waiting for the stimulus package to get approved. So we understand, like, okay, are we going to get incentivized? to keep all of our employees paid in full because the government's going to give us a loan. And as long as we keep them paid in full and we default on the loan, we'll get paid. We don't have to pay the government back. We need to know these things. And without knowing those things, it just makes everyone have a tremendous amount of anxiety in the small business world and the unemployment world. That has it to flush it for small business to know how to move forward. So right now, I know you're keeping your restaurant half open to uh, to take out customers mm -hmm. so that you can continue to employ people. We can't have people in our bar. We're not a restaurant. We're just a bar. Although, weirdly, Texas does allow you to have takeout alcohol. 
Uh, we could like sell bottles to go, with but food, we're not with food. That. <laughs> Instead, we're um, oh, and did you did you see that? Uh, this is this has to do with your earlier comment about we, we don't have like one central plan for the country and every city and state is doing its own thing. Some states are on complete lockdown. Others, Texas, where we're based, um, Texas is not locked down, but each city can decide. So Dallas has decided, but the cities right next door to it are, have, have not locked down. Um, Dallas lets liquor. Dallas deemed liquor stores to be an essential uh, business. I noticed someone tweeted that at me today. Um, it's it's there, there's just not one central answer, and until the entire country is kind of operating off of the same playbook, this thing can't be contained. If half the people are still running around not properly social distancing, yeah. Yeah, I, I, to I totally agree. So basically, we need to see visibility both through a, a really packaged, approved mm -hmm. stimulus package, or we need to see something on the therapeutic side show light at the end of the tunnel, um, or uh, we need to see something uh, related to testing and a program from the government that's showing us, again, they need to sh they need to start removing the worst-case scenarios. As soon as I see those worst-case scenarios i.e. the tail risk that the market's worried about getting removed. As I see that start to happen, that's when I'm going to start to move from a sh net short position to a net long position. Um, now that yeah. said... And, and I think that that the on the therapeutic side, I, I agree. I think that as soon as we see you know, documented progress there, that's a good time. I think with the stimulus package, it's going to be a little too, you know, too little too late and they're going to have to continue to do things. So... Once this once this one gets passed, I think that's going to be a temporary run up for the market. I think that there will be some some gains, but I think that will be temporary. And that's not when I'm like taking my short position off. That's just when I'm like, oh, cool. My my stocks went up a little bit, but I'm still going to have to insure my portfolio on the downside. Yeah. But Dave, what it means is if you can get a, you might not get everything in full, but if you can get a bunch of things happening, like if we can get a stimulus package fully approved this week and then start to show some signs of flattening in Europe with the transmission rates, right? Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, then it, we, it, a combination of these elements, if yeah. we can get flattening at the same time as stimulus, like if we get, if we get two out of five things, and, that's and a then, really good sign. Yeah. And then maybe a little bit of a hope on, 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 on a therapeutic that's maybe looking a little brighter. Jordan, what, what were you saying? Yeah, I was going to say, so um, we're actually really close on the um, European thing. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but mm -hmm. we did see a drop in the increase in cases in Italy yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think what it um, pretty soon the Italy number should come out and we'll know what that's going to look like um, for today. Was that just a, you know, a little blip or are they actually making some improvement? And we'll know pretty soon about that. And Jordan, I would imagine they have to start to improve here based on how contained that country is right now, right? It just it must go start going down. It has to. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, that's the, yeah, that's the hope. So that could be really good news. Um, so listen, it's not any one thing, but if we see kind of these a function of these different elements that we're looking for start to show improvement, like we're getting closer to a passed bill in the House and the Senate, getting closer to a true flattening in Europe getting closer to some of these therapeutic treatments, starting to, starting to show real promise. These are the levers. These are the levers that we're looking for. And as we start to see them, we'll start to shift from less short 
to more long. Okay. Now there's one other thing that I want to talk about that I'm looking at, and that's just purely based on market pricing. Um, if we start to see any type of true market flush out due to a panic situation that could happen if you know the, the, the Senate does not approve the bill today, or if, if Nancy Pelosi in the House comes out and they're like, listen, we are far away, this thing is not happening, and we get a panic situation tomorrow or Wednesday, and the market comes down another 15% from here, maybe 20% down to the kind of that 200 for the S&P level. If I yeah. start to see that type of a capitulation flush out, at that point, the risk reward starts to, to kind of change a little bit, right? And yeah. even if I'm not seeing the things I want to see on the tail risk side, just purely based on, on, on price opportunity in the market, I'll start to shift that short to long a little bit further yeah. along. Okay, no, I absolutely agree. I think I think both both that price kind of level where you think, oh well, regardless of how long this goes on, I'm I'm good at that price or time. Like you know, there there are stocks that I know are going to do well 18 months from now. And so at some point I might just say, okay, well, my portfolio, the number in that account may go down, but it's not money that I need today. This is long-term going to go back up. There, there may be a point when that downside hedge no longer makes sense for me, even when we haven't seen signs of, of flattening of the curb or therapeutics or, or, stimulus, you know, any, any of those things, you know, might be outweighed by that price. And, and I think what's really important to understand for our, our subscribers that we're going to go back to talking about the same thing we've talked about every episode, having a prepared mind and modeling out these scenarios in advance. So all of these different triggers that we're discussing today, these are scenarios we're, 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 we're playing out different scenarios that could happen today, tomorrow, this week. And we're, we know that if, you know, Jordan's waiting for the Italy number right now. You know, if the Italy number comes in dramatically lower today, like at 2,500, right, or 3,000 new cases, we have run that scenario. And that's a scenario where we're absolutely going to go a little less short and a little more long just based on that one data point the second it's released, okay? So we are running every scenario and we already know the degree to which we're going to shift our long short position based on, on the results of that scenario. So we're not reacting. We're being more proactive mm -hmm. in terms of we already know exactly what we're going to do when this thing happens, and then we're going to do it when it actually happens. So my cat is all over my my, my cat stand track. <laughs> my cat stand camera tree. Oh, no, my gosh. In the room? What? Well, he <laughs> snuck in the room when my, my kid – walk through to get to my they're uh -oh. going back and forth to the bedroom and they they open the door anyway so prepared mind scenario modeling um there is i want to get the questions to finish this episode out but before that i want to talk about one thing that i saw uh when checking uh g trends uh google trends search traffic this weekend um i saw that the word macbook and the word laptop uh spiked in the last seven to nine days and that spike really? in search traffic was equivalent almost to the Thanksgiving Black Friday week spike that we see every year. That is unbelievable. What that means is that I think we're going I think we're seeing a massive increase in purchases of 
uh, laptops and MacBooks and hardware that is equivalent to Black Friday week. I mean, wow, that has to be great for Apple, probably great for Microsoft as well. Mm-hmm. And listen, just so, something to think about. Uh, I, I'm considering maybe just tacking on a little bit more Apple today because I think kind of like Amazon, uh, you know, they have something going on here that's very positive, even at the worst of this situation. So I would, hey, I would be cautious there. You know, they did come up with a new uh, MacBook Air and then a few other things uh, last week. So we might want to make sure that uh, the other things that they can, I think they come out with a new uh, or updated. Uh, um, it's definitely a MacBook Air because, Chris, I think you might need to get that one. Yeah, but 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 Jordan, like this, when they come out with those things, this is these are spikes that only yeah. happen. Like I'm talking like Thanksgiving, Black Friday week style spikes. Like that never happens when they release a new product. Oh, um, really? yeah. oh yeah, yeah. So if you if you pull a you chart, if yeah. you pull a chart on the word laptop or MacBook, they'll spike every Thanksgiving and they spike again Christmas, right? Yeah. And then they, they and so like it, just because that's when people are just spending everything spikes in, right? Are you gonna add some Apple? Uh, you know, I, I was kind of thinking I want to add Apple anyway. It's just like one more positive thing yeah. that I think is gonna kind of help uh, help kind of subsidize the revenue they're losing from having all their stores closed, right? It's a hundred dollar discount right now. I know. Uh, it's still yeah. I mean, it's not super low, but. Not super low, but yeah, I'll probably add a little Apple though for sure. So anyway, I just wanted to just wanted to mention that new iPads as well. Uh, all right, what questions? Oh, cruise. Hey, uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the cruise industry? Cruise is going to cruise. That's what we've been saying, right? We're gonna we live and die with that with that uh, cruise. By the way, I Dave, I, I mailed out all of these T-shirts to all the people that won them from both those episodes. Or cruiser is awesome. going to cruise T-shirt, but they are available. For anybody that wants to buy them, we don't make any money off them. We just put them up there at cost on our merch. What's the merch store, Dave? You can go to dumbmoney.tv slash merch or shop.dumbmoney.tv. It's basically, um, we have all kinds of stuff, including, I just, uh, so I ordered some new stuff. I got this new <laughs> mug. It's, it's the new larger size, which I really needed. Um, we, we designed a bunch of stuff. For us, I got a new hat. Oh, there's there's a new hat on there. Oh, new hat. Trucker hat. Yeah. So (laughs) we basically, you know, we we use these like print on demand things so that we can have stuff with our own logo on it so that we can wear. And we decided to put it up for you guys too. So dumbmoney.tv slash merch if you want any of it. It's Um, all really high quality stuff. So so uh, yeah, we we Dave does a great job with a killer job. We hired a, we hired a graphic artist to make this T-shirt. It's 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 amazing. The cruise is going to cruise. So here's the deal: cruiser is going to cruise. I'm standing by it. It's going to happen. They're going to cruise, but uh, the cruise companies might be bankrupt before they come back and cruise. So I'm not saying that RCL is still a good investment, but for me, it's my funnest investment. I did buy outright shares of RCL today uh, at 23 bucks or 24 bucks, whatever. Uh, I just bought some outright shares. I still have my original Cruiser's Gonna Cruise options at the $60 strike price that expired January 2021. Um, I feel less good about those. <laughs> I feel I don't even feel great about the stock I bought today, quite honestly. But uh, I feel like in the event that something happens that they are able to get through this situation, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a six, 5X or 6X or potentially, right? If they can get yeah. through this thing. Yeah. So it's it's a so, fun uh, trade. What are, you, what are your thoughts on publicly traded video game companies? Their servers keep going down due to record numbers of players. Oh, I was going to talk about this. So um, 
I actually started to do some research this weekend, and I haven't finished it on call the new Call of Duty. Uh, they have basically their version of Fortnite. Essentially, it's just it's online gameplay, uh, and it's you know for a little bit older, excuse a little bit older demographic than Fortnite. But I heard that that release was going exceptionally well right now. I have more research to do on it. I think video game stocks are super interesting right here, but I haven't really put in the time. I, you know, I'm going to commit yeah, they're just to not putting that. in time on my research. They didn't come down that much, but for a reason. Yeah, Activision <laughs> 64 high, and right now it's sitting at 56. So, yeah, but but uh, listen, but they're they could be net winners here, right? So uh, during and after, and especially if we're home for a few months, so. It's all my kids are doing all day. The spring break was playing video games rather than being at the beach. So uh, Activision now has better properties that are able to monetize the increase in ongoing game traffic, right? So uh, I, I think Activision could be interesting, but I'm not willing to call it as a, I haven't bought any yet. I have more research to do on them before I, I go in on Activision. So I'll try to do that research before our next episode on what, Thursday, Dave? Uh, before yeah, we'll do we come back Thursday. Yeah, before we come back Thursday, if you want to get my views on the gaming sector, come back on Thursday. Uh, I promise to put five or ten hours of research in between now and then. I, I listen the gaming sector. I used to trade the sector constantly, better than anyone. I made most of my money eight nine years ago trading in the gaming sector. I just haven't been that active of a trader since. Uh, let's see here headset play. Headset play is nice. Here, here it could be interesting. I just don't know what H-E-A-R, Dave, uh, Boundless at 1208. Uh, it's a stock I've traded in the past. Um, what is, I, I what is like the ticker on that one? Eight here, like H-E-A-R, like you're hearing something. Uh, their, their headset company, Turtle Beach. Um, so they're down a lot, but you know it's interesting because I, I'll do some research on here as well. I think that's maybe a trade that is maybe being overlooked. Um, I have, I would imagine that a lot of people are, are getting headsets now because kids, that's all they're doing right now. In fact, especially a lot of what we're seeing on zoom as well. Um, you know, the zoom is, is kind of bridging out to an audience that's well beyond corporate right now. And people are wanting to upgrade their laptops, get headsets because they're on zoom all day talking with groups of friends and doing all kinds of things. So I'll look into that as well. Uh, what else we got here, Dave? Oh, um, talk about when it's up to uh, 56 from 35 last Wednesday. Surely that couldn't be the bottom. Uh, well, you know, when, you know, it's interesting. I kind of wish I would have gotten some at 35 because I think that I, my gut tells me that when could potentially survive this, that I, the, if you look at their balance sheet and you look at how much money they were losing a day in Macau, if they can get Macau going here in the next 30 or 60 days, um, and actually get some traffic into those casinos in the next 60 days in Macau, I think wind is pretty good at that point. Uh, no one's going to be in casinos here for at least 90 days. So, you know, if we get another flush out and wind comes back towards the 30s, I would consider maybe getting in wind. But I'm just not playing a lot of those stimulus trades right now uh, because there's not – I think the Democrats are really going to give the Republicans a hard time in terms of penalization on any of these big, uh, you, you know, bailouts uh, to these larger companies. You know, they might – it looks like I read some of the language, and they're looking at taking stock, taking warrants. So there could be some massive, massive dilution there 
for companies that need to to, to borrow a lot of uh, you know a lot of money from the government. So yeah. I, I'm just neutral for now. Yeah, I was yeah, looking. I, at I, I still have some win. Did, don't you still have some shares of win? Uh, I don't even remember. I got to look. I'll look right now. Jordan, yeah, I, you can I, I have a small position in win, like a thousand shares. Jordan, I was going to talk about the the bill. Why why it hasn't passed yet? I think uh, I think there's too much discretion. Um, the, the Democrats don't like the discretion that the uh, um, White House gets on distributing funds. That language that's in the that's in the bill right now. Um, so they want to. Yeah, it. yeah, Jordan. Yeah, they're, they're they're calling it like a slush fund, a half trillion dollar slush fund. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah, and they're concerned that Trump could use it for his hotels, and you know, like there needs to be better language around how it gets used. And yeah, they need we, to structure some of it better. Yeah. So, by the way, Win was my first short, right? In this whole process, I was shorting Win at one hundred and thirty-five bucks a share, one hundred and forty bucks a share. I think I started shorting Win. Uh, I, I liked at some point to go long Win. I said that in the very beginning. I said at some point I'm going to go long Win, and I kind of missed the boat when it hit that bottom there. But I, I could potentially go long Win. I just need to get some better visibility on what the stimulus package looks like and what the bailouts are going to require. I actually don't think Win needs to borrow that much money. And they're one of my favorite bounce back stocks because I think they have options for bailout money that goes beyond the U.S. government. I think China would potentially uh, help them out. I think Win's in a situation where they could even get private money uh, without even dipping into the government guarantees. So, you know, I kind of like Win as one of my bounce back plays. And I, I will seriously consider looking at it this week. I just need to spend some time on it. Uh, just a funny comment here. Uh, should I put my life savings into RCL? I heard Cruiser's going to cruise. Well, no, again, don't, savings into, don't do uh, that. Don't do don't it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Even though, even though we love the hashtag and the T-shirt, it's yeah. uh, it's hey, very risky. I, I, I am Cruiser's going to cruise. I'm I know the shopper's going to shop, though. My Amazon is, I think, where I'm going to put my life savings. Dave, cruisers are going to cruise. I just don't know <laughs> what cruise line they're going to be cruising on when this is all over with, if it's going to be a post-bankruptcy Royal Caribbean or a pre-bankruptcy Royal Caribbean. So, again, Royal Caribbean has got to figure out how to get through this liquidity crisis. And if they can figure it out, I do have faith that cruisers are going to cruise. They always will. Always. There, there's no other place for them but on a cruise ship. So uh, also, where can I buy put options on spring breakers? Why are people still on the beaches? I don't I don't get that. Yeah. I've been locked down for eight days, and I'm prepared to do it indefinitely. Uh, but spring I breaker. have a nice little trading station here. And uh, as you may notice, I've upgraded my studio. I've added some some additional set decor. <laughs> I like it, Dave. Um, I just go to wherever my family lets me go for that moment in time. But <laughs> uh, okay, so what what else we got? Survives it. Did you have one that you wanted to answer? Uh, me? No, yeah. I'm looking. I'm look, I'm I'm scrolling questions right now. I saw I saw uh, that I can address. Somebody said that uh, Chris should get a 16 inch MacBook Pro. Not going to happen. Chris likes the smallest, lightest, flimsiest laptops you can possibly find. Yeah, so my MacBook is what literally has like an outdated, intentionally outdated before they changed the MacBook, not the Pro, not the Air, but the MacBook, which was that really great design, super small. Uh, I actually think it's better than the Air. 
Um, but I think the new Air looks amazing. I would I would look into that, Chris. Okay, I'm going to check into the new Air today. But uh, I do love this MacBook. I spent, what, $1,700, the, the most specced out MacBook, right after they canceled it. I had to buy, like, a refurbished one because uh, <laughs> it's so small. I can literally, like, almost put it, stick it in my pants. It's so small and walk around with it. Um, okay, so interesting to purchase spy puts. When I look at the 210, this is Rick Goldler at 1208. Uh, when I look at the 210 strike, either March 27th, 31st, or April 3rd, they're all down. Does that make sense? Um, well, yeah, it makes sense because the Dow is recovering here in the last hour since our show started. So, yeah, I mean, it, make, it makes sense. By the way, the, the, the puts that we buy are weeklies. So, like, I'm buying – I have ones that expire this Friday – because the premium is just so insane right now. And I always buy them slightly in the money, usually. Uh, are you holding American Airlines still? No, I sold American Airlines at a very slight profit to basically break even the day after I bought it or a few days after I bought it, yeah. um, right when we got that information on the stimulus having issues. So I think we bought it and sold it at about $14.10. I'm not holding any of the airline stocks right now. Um uh, no, thank you. Uh, I got to see what the stimulus is going to do first. Uh, let's see. Send people up, work remotely. Oh, Best Buy. I was at Best Buy yesterday, lying out the door. What? Uh, it's kind of what we've been talking about with hardware, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, if you need laptops to work at home. Guys, I mean, understand that every single student in America is forced to finish the school year from home, okay? So a lot of these students have, like, junky old MacBooks and stuff, and they're like, wait a second. If I'm going to work from home the rest of the year, mom, dad, can I at least get a new computer, right? Because, like, I got to be on video conferencing now with my teachers, and I but think, I don't like hearing line out the door. Why not just go online to bestbuy.com or Amazon or apple.com and just have that stuff shipped to you? Well, Dave, and then spray it down with Lysol on your porch and let it sit for 48 hours and then open the box. Well, That's what I'm doing. I know, but some people like, you know, I don't know. I have no idea why people are not buying the stuff online, but they're, they're not. Breaking uh, news, breaking news. Italy down again for new cases and death. Uh, oh, God. What are they at, Jordan? What's the number? So the new case number is 4790. Oh, the, that... What's oh, that? So, oh, so that's that's positive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's down. Okay, okay it's positive. Okay. It's yeah, down, but it's not... Down to um, 651 yesterday, today 602. Still awful that they're okay. done. So like... Light of this, but... Uh, it's down, but it's not down as much as I would like it to be to where I'm like, that's like, I got to, I got to reduce my short right now because of that number. Yeah. Um, yeah but but it's, we're, we're, we're ratcheting down, which is nice. Yeah, it, it is nice. It's nice to see. I don't know how they, yeah. Which we would expect with how far I mean, it's not, you know, things I, yet, but, uh, I want to see those Italy numbers come down into the two thousands. That's what I want to see. Uh, that would be a really positive turn of events for Italy. By the way, on Best Buy, I'm not buying shares of Best Buy because there's a line out the door. I'd, I'd rather own the uh, manufacturers like Microsoft yeah. and Apple over Best Buy. Um, yeah, I agree. So, uh, by the way, like I said, th there's all these companies people are talking about. It's not like 
this is not a good buy or a bad buy for us. It's, it's an opportunity cost. So it's like, well, we might like that company as a bounce back company. We like this company better, right? So it, it, we're having to, we're trying to make the best decisions for us on some of these trades and some of these bounce backs. Uh, Chris, any question for you? Why do you um, buy money uh, in the money puts rather than out of the money? Great. Oh, that's an awesome question. Let me explain why. And we'll talk about this on our options episode that we'll do on dumb money uh, pretty soon. The volatility is so high. Option premiums are higher than they've ever been before. And because of that, the like the curve of option premiums as you kind of go from at from out of the money to in the money is not as extreme as it normally is. So for me, I don't see a lot of value purchasing out of the money options. Um, my in the money options are not that much more than the out of the money options is what I've been seeing. So what, what we'll do is we'll run scenarios where we say uh, we'll purchase the option at this strike price or we'll purchase at a much more conservative strike price that's in the money. And if the stock drops or if the, the market drops to where we think it's going to drop, how much money will we make in each of those scenarios? And a lot of times we're making almost as much money in the conservative scenario than we are in the risky scenario where we're having to purchase out of the money options. So in that situation, why would we want to put all that money at risk purchasing out of the money where we lose it all if the market doesn't make a huge move when we can purchase in the money options where the market kind of stays the same or just moves a little bit in the direction we think it's going to move? We actually get all of our money back where we would have lost yeah. all of our money on the out of money. So like that's why in, right the, now, in the money, you're only if the market doesn't move, your in the money option will diminish in value just for the time value. But that underlying intrinsic value of the option will still be there if the market hasn't moved. So instead of expiring worthless, it expires what it would have been without the time value. Yeah. And also understand that, you know, we're not throwing a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars in these options. When we're buying these options, we're usually investing six figures, right? So we're purchasing, you know, anywhere between a hundred and three hundred thousand dollars of call or put options uh, when we're doing these trades. So like, it's not money that we just want to lose entirely if the market is just doesn't make a sudden move in our direction. Like we have to be a little more conservative than most speculative traders who are just playing around with play money here. Yeah, so. and just playing around, I will buy out of, if I'm putting a hundred bucks into something, I'll buy some out of the money and you know, that's that's more of a gamble. That's like going to Vegas and putting it on red and hoping for the best. <laughs> but if you're make if you're making an investment, it's with, with $100,000 in an options play, you want that $100,000 to still be worth $80,000 even if even if your directional guess was wrong. So uh, someone just said trip is up. Did you short them? Yes. Uh, I am short trip with options. So, uh, you know, my trip is not doing awesome today. I bet Yelp, which I'm really short still, is probably up, and I'm probably not doing great on them either. Oh, Yelp's only up 19 cents. That's nice to see. Um, so, so here's the chart for uh, trip, and I'll put Yelp on there as well because I'm also short in Yelp and and. Yeah, surprised that they're um, recovering here in the last, you know, it, it looks like two days ago they started recovering, three days ago. 
Yeah, I still like my short Yelp trade. I still like my short trip trade. But um, and let's talk about the the reason that, for that Yelp trade because um, that's that's a balance sheet based play for you. That's something that you've you've been kind of looking at their numbers and their the the rate that they're burning through money and let's let's talk about how yeah. we got to that because I think it's an interesting way to you know not just Yelp but to evaluate other companies. Yeah. So like. Like Yelp, first of all, the reason why I'm shorting Yelp and Trip is because I don't think they're going to get any stimulus money. I think they're less likely to get stimulus money because they're not in a category that the government deems to be, you know, they they have to necessarily save. Also, uh, these companies don't have any debt for the most part. So, you know, the market isn't really beating them down because they're like, oh, they have cash and virtually no debt. So they should be able to make it through this. I actually believe, yes, they can probably make it through it. But if you look at their earnings, their revenue in these companies might get hit by 80%. And if Yelp revenue goes down by 80% or 90%, their fixed costs are so high that they will actually be bleeding so much money that they will run out of cash within a few months time, in my opinion. And that puts them in a situation where they have to do one of two things. They either have to raise debt or they have to do massive amounts of layoffs and restructuring. Either one of those things is a huge negative for people that were investing these companies thinking that they're going to be totally safe, right? So I think these companies are more safe than the cruise lines and the airlines and all those and the hotel companies, but I think they're less safe then the market is pricing in. And I think that they still potentially have more room to come down if we see a washout, right? So anyway, I, that's just, that's it's a speculative trade for me. Um, but just so you know, like Yelp came out and they said, we're gonna give away $25 million to the restaurant industry, which is the biggest hoax I think of all time, because essentially none of us restaurants were gonna spend any money on Yelp. We canceled our Yelp our Yelp account, right? Like we're not spending any money. Yelp yeah. saw all these cancellations coming in and they were they realized that if all the restaurants cancel their budgets, when this whole thing is over, they have to essentially re-sign up hundreds of thousands of restaurants. And, and X percentage of those restaurants going to be, forget to re-sign up for Yelp until a salesperson literally starts, please sign up, sign up, sign up. So they can't afford to be down 50, 60% for the next two years while they have to rebuild their business from scratch. So what Yelp did is they said, listen, if you're a restaurant, don't cancel. We'll give it to you for free. Well, you just keep, you just get whatever you were spending. You just get it for free. But they weren't helping anybody. They were helping themselves by, by stopping the bleeding of cancellations. That's all they're doing. So I think they are in bad shape. But again, who knows? It's a highly speculative play. I would not recommend that other people trade these stocks. Uh, this is just something I'm doing on the speculative side. And I'm prepared and to question about what will make you exit the Yelp and uh, trip puts. Like at, at what point do you cut your losses if, if these stocks start going up? Or do you think that, oh, I've made enough money and, and pull the trigger on selling them? Yeah, I've already made a crazy amount of money on both of them. Uh, I'm going to view that the same way that I view my my market hedge position. All the things we've been talking about this episode, the things that we're looking for that would allow us to go less short and more long, as I'm doing that, 
I'm not just going less short and more long as an overall portfolio, but I'm also doing the same thing with my Yelp and trip positions. So I'll start to take, I'll start to remove parts of those positions as I see that the stimulus package is going to happen on Thursday or that we're getting therapeutic treatments that are showing positive signs or we're getting positive signs in Europe, right? The flattening of the curve. So I might reduce some of those positions today. I, I got to really sit down after this episode and take a look at them. Yeah. Uh, question for me, uh, what am I selling puts on? I talked earlier about how I'm planning to, uh, I'm, I'm watching and, and waiting for an opportunity to sell puts on Amazon, uh, probably looking out to the January 2021 uh, strike price. Uh, the last time I looked at it, the volume that I, I was looking to sell, it would be like a half million dollars of income into my account. And if Amazon happens to go down, I'd be buying the 1700 strike price. Amazon's gone up since I was uh, last looking at it. So I'm kind of hoping that Amazon pulls back a little to give me an opportunity to do this at a, at a price that makes a little more sense. Um, after last week's episode, I actually um, sold some puts in both Crocs and Restoration Hardware. Because those were uh, things that came up in the comment. Those are stocks that that at these lower discounted prices, I would I would not mind owning, but I don't necessarily don't need them in my portfolio. So if I if I got them, it would be cool, especially if I could get them at a bigger discount than what they're currently trading for, which is essentially what put selling puts do. You get that premium as guaranteed, and if it goes down below that, you're getting the equivalent price that you're buying it for is the price that you sold the put for and the strike price. So you're essentially being able to buy Crocs at an even more discounted price or restoration hardware or Amazon. So that's, uh, that's my strategy there. Tesla. Someone's asking about Tesla. Do I still think it can go down 250? I think if we get a washout capitulation event, I think Tesla is going to get hit with everyone else. Um, and Tesla is, as we saw our last episode, we talked about our favorite bounce back stocks and it was such an awesome episode. Um, uh, Tesla is one of those stocks. Uh, I think it's a momentum stock. And when we're, when we see the light at the end of the tunnel, I think it's going to be one of those stocks. that's going to, we're going to see a huge rush, uh, you know, back towards maybe not towards its highs, but certainly it can go up considerably from here. Uh, you know, that said, it has a little bit of resistance with oil prices being down so much and gasoline being so cheap. So we'll have to see how that plays into it. Uh, cannabis companies. I am not, let me explain something. I am not investing in cannabis companies here. And let me explain why. Uh, cannabis companies are highly speculative and they need to continue to raise money and be, have access to capital markets. I don't think the government cares about them, right? So it's like, I, I just feel like there's so many, like there's so many companies that you know the market's going to rush back into because they're not speculative, that they're companies that are cash flow rich, that are going to be the companies that everyone's going to rush back into, like Shopify, Amazon, Apple, Tesla, all these guys. I'd rather stick with those as my bounce back companies than the cannabis companies, personally. But who knows? <clears throat> um, um, and D Danny reminds us, you know, when we had the earlier news about the uh, numbers out of Italy, a couple of uh, comments came in. One reminding us that maybe people are not opting to go to the doctor on the weekend, less traffic, um, but also the hospitals are at capacity. So is it possible to even get more numbers when they're completely full? Yeah, I mean, so we've got the deaths are uh, dropping down too, um, which should mostly be for people that are currently in the hospital. So, you know, I think, like I said, I mean, uh, it's only two days, so we're taking everything pretty cautiously here. But I mean, it's it's 
in the right direction, right? Yeah. Uh, five Below, someone's asking about. Uh, that was one of my fate. I was in Five Below, if you guys remember. I was like a Five Below cult member, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago when they first went public. And, I, you know, I no longer own the stock. I love the company. At the same time, uh, I think they're going to get hit pretty hard. This, their stock's down 50%. I'm actually kind of surprised it's not down more. See, Five Below has a terrible e-commerce strategy. They don't really, they're very new to e-commerce. So yeah. I don't know, they're not an essential business, I don't think. They serve candy. Um, by the way, did you see that in Texas, they, they in Dallas, in Texas, they they, they, they marked uh, liquor stores as essential businesses. So they're allowed yeah. to stay open. Wow. Yeah. Like, I mentioned, like, I mentioned that earlier. That's that's crazy to me. Um, it, so it, obviously grocery stores and food delivery places and things like that. But but liquor stores is on the list. There, there are a couple essential? others that, that I found a little odd. Yeah, super weird. Um, so five I mean, below. If you're stuck at home, you need your bottle of wine. We should do a uh, a, a drinky drink episode. Uh, <laughs> like a like a uh, some money after dark. Amy, Amy had a, uh, my wife, Amy had a, uh, a zoom happy hour last night with a lot of her her friends. And I think she has another one tonight, actually. See, and that's what, that's why zoom is going crazy. It's become the verb for teleconferencing. It is the, it is the, uh, Kleenex. It is the Coke. Uh, so uh, asking about puts on zoom, it's so overblown. The revenue will not be there, especially in the long term. There's there's two That's arguments. Like buying there. puts on Tesla in the middle in the middle in the middle of their run buying puts on Tesla. What, what, yeah. Like Zoom, I'm not getting in front. Of, I'm not getting in front of that train, man. No way. I just, I'm not saying no. you shouldn't. I'm just not doing it personally. You just don't know when that momentum's going to stop, right? And it's not really going to stop until we get to see whatever their quarterly numbers are. I wouldn't mess with it. As soon as offices are open again, there will be less people using Zoom. But you could make the argument that I mean. People will still communicate that way, and there are people working remotely, people working in different offices. I think that Zoom is one of those things that the experience, the actual using of the product is so much better than the other teleconferencing platforms, at least for me, the ones that I've used. I've had bad experiences with the latency on some of the uh, the products. I think that Zoom is a better interface. The fact that it basically will switch back and forth like a live TV show, we're not using it for our live stream, but... That would be interesting to uh, to try to use Zoom as as our um, as our streaming platform, um, but it's such a better experience that once you try it, it's it's that that whole free trial offer and the fact that Zoom is kind of being progressive about you know offering the free version to education. Uh, the free version actually does just about everything you need, except the main limitation is the meeting can only be forty minutes long. But in my mind, if you're having a meeting that's longer than 40 minutes, you're having the wrong meeting. I, By the I way, love short meetings. I'm, I'm a fan minutes. of a 25-minute meeting. You can pause it for five minutes, and then you get another 40 minutes. So. Yeah, you just you just will just log out, and you should not have more than a 30-minute meeting. I mean, there's nothing that's that important to talk about and waste that many people's time. I Which, by the way, we've been on for an hour and a half now, so is it about time to wrap up? <laughs> right, hold on. I want my view on Zoom. Okay. So I love Zoom. I have not spent a lot of time researching the fundamentals of the company. Um, but what I do what I do feel about Zoom is I think it's a cultural shift. I think it's a cultural shift, not just in terms of consumers, but in terms of corporate culture. And every if, when we come out of this, 
every company in the world, every enterprise in the world, I think, is going to sign a long-term contract with either Zoom or their competitor, Cisco, whatever, whether they already have one. But, but Zoom, I think they have changed the culture. And because of their brand and the stickiness that you were talking about, Dave, it is really hard. Once someone starts using Venmo or whatever, they're not going to use some other random one, right? Because it's like no. it, 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 there is value in brand. There's value in customer acquisition. And Zoom potentially has, wait for it, maybe billions of customers all of a sudden. So like, do you know the value in having billions of customers in a SaaS platform that you could essentially, that crosses corporate and consumer? I mean, talk about an acquisition candidate, right? I mean, they could theoretically, when you think about SaaS companies and how they're valued, when you have that kind of scale for a needed product that spans the entire globe, it's fully global for corporate enterprise and consumer, Certainly, those companies are valued in the hundreds of uh, uh, right in the hundreds of billions of dollars. Right, yeah. Zoom right now is at fifty billion. Is that right? Forty five billion today. Do you, do you do you think kind of the same thing about Zoom? Uh, or I mean, Slack. Slack is is one of those that I found that in the office, even when you're working right next to someone, it's you're you're slacking them instead of you know popping over the cubicle wall to to talk to them. Yeah, but I mean Slack. Uh, you know, WR- Slack's been a major competitor in Microsoft Teams, right? So anybody that's an enterprise client is probably going to go with Microsoft Teams. Yeah, um, I, I love Slack, um, but you know, it's I, I think it's hard to to invest in them right now. You don't really know if when they're going to be profitable. Um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're Dave. They are up against one hell of a mean competitor in Microsoft Teams, yeah. and I mean it. Slack is in a really weird position. That's why I'm not invested in Slack. But Zoom, on the other hand, overnight, they are the market leader. I mean, they like are the market leader overnight. And gosh, I mean, think about the opportunity for Zoom. I I think it's exciting. Zoom is my Tesla. Zoom is my Tesla. All right. It's, it's going to be my Tesla. It could be a little crazy staying in Zoom at these levels. But it's going to be even crazier when there are 150 billion. I don't know. It's like I'm willing to roll the dice with Zoom because I think the underlying cultural shift is strong enough that I think it could end up being one of these, you know, what do they call it? a weekend Wall Street weekend and like like Reddit companies, right? The yeah. millennials get are going to get it. Uh, so like I'm just plus it's a little bit of a fun trade for me, but I could see Zoom being part of my long term portfolio when this is all over with. Yeah, I'm we'll watching see. Zoom also. I didn't buy when you did. I really wish I would have. But if, if I see a little bit of a pullback in it, I'll probably pick up a few shares. Yeah, and, and so I've been adding to my Zoom over the course of the last few weeks, and I'm currently at 3,000 shares of Zoom, which I kind of li- I feel comfortable in that neighborhood for my portfolio uh, of, of having th- you know 3,000 shares. That's, that's the kind of the right positioning for me on something like Zoom. Look, uh, at, that. Look at that chart. This is, this is since they IPO'd. <laughs> it's out of control. Oh, good timing on that IPO, right? Um, yeah. Let's see. I'm just looking for better. I want to make sure we get all of our comments here. Guys, I have so much research I got to do. I got to trade into the close today. Um, I got, we, we, we should probably, what are you, probably what are you researching I do want to say one more time. And I expect that phone call 30 minutes before you make any mm-hmm. trades. Okay. So first of all, Dave, I want to reemphasize, guys, if you're watching this on Dumb Money and not Dumb Money Live, 
you have to switch over. Please, I beg you, go to Dumb Money Live and subscribe today because we're going to stop doing our live episodes on Dumb Money and you will not get the notifications if you're not a subscriber to Dumb Money Live. And when you do that, can you please also hit the bell when you subscribe, hit the bell so that YouTube actually notifies you when we do our live episodes. But we're going to move every all the live stuff to, to Dumb Money Live. The good news is today we are seeing twice as many people on the live channel as on the original channel. So we're getting close to turning off the original channel. If that's the only channel you're subscribed to, you will miss these live episodes. And we love doing these. We can't make the uh, the original Dumb Money shows right now because we can't meet with the founders and we can't run around and do the crazy things that we like to do on that channel. <laughs> so it's all about Dumb Money Live these days. Yeah, yeah. So, and by the way, I don't want to say how much we appreciate you guys. It's so fun for us. Our, our dream was to be able to have an audience of people that cared enough to kind of engage with us and, and learn. And like, this is our mm -hmm. life. This is all we do. It's all we think about. We are traders. We are investors. Uh, we're, we just happen to be killing it right now. But if, if we didn't have you guys to share it with, it wouldn't be nearly as fun. Um, so I'm going to turn this off and start yelling at my TV and all the people on CNBC for the next two hours <laughs> until I get back here and talk to some real people on Thursday. Real quick, uh, Orlando guy, he's a he's definitely a longtime fan on all of the channels. Uh, he mentioned Zoom, Skype, Slack, and Discord. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for uh, popping in. And uh, when does Discover or CNBC <laughs> make you an offer to buy the show? Tell them, get hey. on Twitter, get on Twitter we're, and tell them they need to them buy. Know. Let them know that, that we're doing amazing things over here. Yeah. Um, let's uh, see, do we have any, any anything else? Chris, what are your predictions about restoration hardware earnings report look, coming up? I, I do not know. I do not know. I, I, am, I am not, I do not have expertise. I did buy uh, restoration hardware last week because I felt, but I have not done the proper research. I'm not aggressively invested in RH. Um, it's just something that I felt I really want to be part of that. If I get smarter around RH in the future, I'll discuss it on this show. Uh, but I only invested in it because I feel that they have the right, they're going to be part of this cultural shift that we're seeing right now toward <laughs> big brands that are doing things the right way. Like the, they are the Lululemon of furniture. Let's just put it that way. And I love Lulu. You know that. So I don't know how I don't know what the the earnings could be catastrophic next week. I, I don't even care. They're down like seventy percent, right? That's where we bought them. Is is seventy percent down? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. They're a little lower than when you bought. They're at eighty bucks right now. They actually dipped to seventy five today. Okay, okay. Maybe I'll add a little more. Who knows? <laughs> oh, any, and, any, I'll, I'll, and I'll, that's I'll, where I sold puts uh, instead of buying uh, buying the stock. I sold puts, so I'm already making money. Okay. Update on Starlink. Can we talk about that? Uh, uh, yes. Me and Dave closed on our investment uh the timing was not awesome but we closed our our investment in uh spacex what two weeks ago dave two three weeks ago so yep. me and dave are own now jordan jordan uh decided to pass on this one because you know it just happened to be we closed during a full-fledged market crash and jordan is pretty prudent with his money and pretty smart and conservative and he's like i'm just gonna chill out right now i'm not gonna make any illiquid investments in crazy space companies, so I yeah. do not blame Jordan for, for for I do not blame him at all for sticking out. But but we 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 roll the dice with it, and I think Starlink we have kind of some uh, I, I want to call it some pretty good information from people that are involved with the company that the Starlink IPO is not going to happen this year or next year. Probably it's probably maybe a 2022 type of thing, but that's okay. Like I said, this is this is a big this is a big long shot investment for us.
and we just want to be part of it. Uh, and it's- we're, we're in it for these spinoff IPOs. We, we don't think that SpaceX, you know, their, their stated mission is to not be a, you know, not be a company that goes public or makes money or all of these things. They're, they're kind of this, this dream of what space could be, but all the technologies that they're doing have the possibility of being spinoff companies. And as an owner of SpaceX shares, we would be able to participate and, and own shares of the IPO companies that, that spin out of it. So that's, that's why we're in it. And I'm excited about it. There was some other company. It's not just Jordan that, um, that bailed on the idea of uh, investing in, in uh, startups. There was something else that I passed on. I can't remember which one. This is a difficult time for everyone. And so, we're, you know, we're trying to keep our portfolios alive, uh, not lose money, make money where we can. And um, it's, it's but we also seems we also you know, so we we're going to just be as transparent as possible and tell you what we're making money in and what we're losing money in. And and that's what this channel is all about. Yeah, I think the biggest, also, you know, instead of going and investing in stuff like SpaceX right now, I can keep that cash. And then when I see things start to level out, I've got a really good buying opportunity at that point. Um, also, we have a startup that we're about to invest a lot of money in, and we'll talk about that on a future episode of Dumb Money. So, like, we're kind of conserving our, our private investment money uh, yeah. for some of these big ones that you guys will learn about. I, I want to talk about this. Jordan, maybe you have an input on this because it seems like right up your alley. Waste Management Systems, uh, the Orlando guy, 1242. Uh, since most people are home and generating more garbage, uh, no, that's I mean, interesting. So, I, this. I I saw that comment come across and I've been thinking about it. Um, I don't, I mean, our guys, so, you know, we're serviced by waste management and they show up at the exact same time that they did beforehand. So I don't think they're running into any capacity issues at home. And then the guys that are going out and servicing offices, I'm wondering if they're cutting back on contracts. I know my, um, uh, I know somebody who uh, has a business that does, um, they clean offices basically is the business. Um, and they're having to lay people off because nobody nobody's paying to have their office cleaned when nobody's at the office. So I'm wondering if it's the same thing for waste management or if they've so, got, I don't know, but. Um, so, may, so maybe, maybe we're. I don't really see the upside. I only see slight downside in that, uh, in that business. So because more trash at home, but yeah. maybe less trash, both in office corporate, but also less trash in manufacturing and businesses yeah. like our bar. Like we went, like we pay dumpsters fees every day, and now it's like gone. We're like canceling that contract. Right. I don't think it's waste. Yeah. It's with somebody. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm not super excited about waste. It's a good idea. It's, it's certainly. Right. Yeah, I like, I like thinking about it. I think it's yeah. a good exercise. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, Dave, I got to get. I, I got to. I feel like I've been. I got to get back on my. We need uh, to get back crazy. to trading. I do too. Before we go, please make sure you smash the like button. It really does help us out with the please, YouTube algorithm. Please. If you are not already subscribed, do that now. Both channels, Dumb Money and Dumb Money Live. Subscribe to both. Turn on notifications. Also, my other channel. Hey there, Dave here. Thanks for that. Uh, we uh, we're also on a podcast. You can catch up with all of our live episodes. We repackage those on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. We're on all of them. Thank you guys so much for watching. Stay healthy. Stay home. Keep social distancing. I'm Dave Hansen for Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. We'll see you next time. <laughs>